Welcome to On Strategy Showcase. This is Fergus in Chicago. Uh, I know it's been a really rough year on so many fronts for so many people. And um, a lot of people have lost their jobs or they've been furloughed or they uh, are anticipating one or two of those same conditions for themselves, even though they may still be working. But I think there is some voices out there that can sort of bring some optimism to this whole situation. And I think that uh, Stuart Parkin is one of those guys. Uh, Stuart is a, a headhunter. I'd, I'd talked to Stuart uh, um, a couple of years back, and we've kind of kept in touch. He's very well known in the planning community. He specializes in recruiting and, re and placing strategic planners, uh, both here in the U.S., and uh, overseas in different parts of the world. He's uh, based in New York City. I just wanted to do this episode to sort of give people some tips or some suggestions um, on what to do if you are furloughed or laid off, or if you think it's that that might be coming in the near term, or if you're even just considering a change. I'm not saying that you should go to Stuart. I do think Stuart's a great guy, but Stuart is just here to represent that whole practice of headhunting and to realize that it's not just about job boards. It's not just about LinkedIn. There are actually people out there like Stuart who can serve as a go-between uh, between you and a potential employer who can advise you on the way to approach it, can give you some suggestions on how to present yourself. So that's what I wanted to do this episode for, uh, to get the word out. Uh, if you do want to contact Stuart, his contact details are at the end of the episode. And one other thing before we get going is that uh, I, I know I've, I've seen this, I've seen this posted, this question posted on so many different places over time. People asking, uh, what should I ask for in terms of salary or compensation for a particular role? And uh, Stuart gives this really interesting formula to consider uh, that makes a lot of sense. It simplifies it and it gives you a sense of the range that you should be asking for, depending on what your title is or what you're, or what you're trying to uh, find a new position in, in terms of title. So it's a very cool little formula, simple formula. And uh, uh, it was interesting to hear that. I had never personally heard it before. So hope it's useful. hopefully it's useful. That's about it. So this is uh, Stuart Parkin uh, in New York, a terrific headhunter. Hopefully it'll be a useful conversation for many people. Enjoy. You've been in the you've been in the industry for a long time. You specialize in placing uh, strategists, strategic planners, however we label it these days. There's so many different labels, but tell us about what you're seeing in terms of layoffs, furloughs. How how major or or what's the scale of it? Do you feel in terms of what's happened over the last few months? But the typical feedback I'm getting and have been getting for, for several months. And then the, the real layoffs happened in, in a few earlier ways, actually, you know, April uh, through through end of June, and then things picked up a bit and then stabilized somewhat. And there were there were furloughs as well as the layoffs, and there were, there were salary cuts, a number of which have been reinstated now, I should say. And and a lot of these um these agencies have recalibrated to these new times of reduced expenditure. But the answer is specifically, uh, the magic number to me seems to be the one I hear over and over again is, well, Stuart, our, our, our income or, uh, and, and billings are down, they're different things, but usually around 30%. And so um, I also hear that the, the, um, the, the, the layoffs and or furloughs are fairly evenly sort of distributed across departments. So, I mean, I think probably 30% is a pretty good number. Now, clearly, you've got some agencies, some consultancies, some businesses 
that uh, are doing very well. And I know we'll 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 know that sort of focus on specific areas later. Have you have you heard whether the federal uh, uh, pay uh, paycheck protection program or payroll protection program here in the U.S. Um, that was a program that ran through, I think, the end of September of this year. Was that something that many of the holding companies had advantage or taken advantage of? Are you, are you hearing anything about that? And, and, you know, and I'm wondering whether that is going to result, because that program has just ended. I'm wondering if that's going to result in more layoffs because that funding is gone. I, I don't know specifically about whether the holding companies did, but they, um, you can bet your bottom dollar that, I mean, if it's, if, if it's a well-run or, or organization financially they'll be taking advantage of anything they can't take advantage of they really are so it's it's, it's and, and i think that you know i think our intuitive reaction for people that are who are on the side of having been laid off or furloughed is to to think of the organization as being pretty cold-hearted about it and, and at least in uh, at least it might feel that way when somebody is laid off immediately but i think it's important to point out now and i believe me i'm I'm skeptical of corporate maneuvers as much as the next person is, but it is an incredibly difficult thing uh, to lay people off. Uh, okay. If if you've got a strong planning team or you've got a strong agency culture, there's there's nothing worse for a manager to have than to have to do this because it's not only in terms of how it might affect that individual personally, but it destroys the culture of the group. Because if a third of them are gone or a half of them are gone or some of them are gone, uh, it takes an awful long time to rebuild that culture uh, if it can be rebuilt at all. And so uh, I, I, think it's, I think it's easy to judge those who have to make cuts, but uh, there certainly seems to be a, a, a viable reason, a credible reason uh, for doing it this time around. True. I had many, many conversations with individuals that have to have those conversations. And that is probably one of the hardest things you're going to do uh, in your life, actually, certainly your professional life. You know, it doesn't get much harder. We're now sitting in the end of October 2020. When you look out the next 12 to 18 months, what does it, uh, what does it look like for you? What do you think we can expect for those who are yeah. both out of work and those who are uh, currently still working? Well, the headline, the headline for the market the whole of the job market um, has been for some time and still is uncertainty. And uh, as we've already mentioned, the uncertainty driven by individuals and by uh, business people, you know, all the way down the line. So the implication of that is um, because no one really knows what's, what's the way this is going. Um, freelance and flexi has become the norm and will do through to the end of the year. Um, uh, where at least we have a recalibration of, you know, finances. You know, we start a new financial year and sort of the more enlightened agencies and businesses will maybe be prepared to take more risks as you start the year and you've got the whole year to pick things up if they don't go quite as you'd expected earlier on. So I, in the context of uncertainty, I think, um, and, you know, we're waiting, we're all waiting for a vaccine and it's got to be rolled out. But in that context, I fully expect There'll be more activity in the next few months as we go towards the new year because people, like I said, new financial year, that helps. Um, less certainty, uncertainty, because we will have had the election and hopefully uh, defini definitively clarified, um, you know, yeah. this clarification, hopefully. That will make a difference to, to business mindsets. Either way, actually, I think, because the uncertainty always with an election is, is never good. But I, I suspect 
that even going into the new year, we're still going to see flexi and freelance um, being, um, you know, the fashion. I think the thing that, that I worry about is that there ends up being a lag time between the need for planners and rehiring and the actual time when people get rehired. Because I can imagine that the the perspective of the agency is going to be, let's see how much we can get done before we absolutely have to hire. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, I worry that that could be like a six-month to a 12-month time where those who are still working in agencies can expect to have an even increased burden of workload uh, because well, of this sort of uncertainty. Well, that's definitely true. I mean, something that uh, is a recurring theme I've heard about, again, for the last several months is you're talking, you're on one call and someone's pulling their hair out because they're so busy. Yeah. The next call, they're, they're pulling their hair out because they've got nothing to do, you know, and they're trying to get something to do. So, yeah, certainly that workload, again, it's another trend of the last several years. And so whether you're a candidate or an agency, I think um, in terms of how fast things pick up and how fast they hire strategists will come to how proactive in turn they are with their clients in terms of engaging them, even when apparently they're not spending money. Well, show them how to spend money. Show them where the opportunities are. So if, if someone listening... Uh, to the show is out of work and they're feeling uh, pretty paralyzed in terms of what's next. Um, and they maybe, maybe they haven't gone through uh, a layoff before, or it's been many, many years and we're kind of in these sort of uncertain times. Uh, what kind of advice can you give them? What are the things that they should be doing and considering to sort of market themselves? Okay. So, so first thing um, is, Easily, easily said than done. Uh, first thing I'd say, go to go to a very positive source uh, about in terms of the whole strategy market. I just I, I publish a newsletter, so a bit of a plug, Fergus. So it's on sparkinsearch.com. Uh, go there. So sparkin s p a r k i n search.com newsletters. The most recent newsletter is about um, the future for strategic planning, jobs, and careers, and the headline is. I am very positive about the future for strategic planning. Um, and the simple reason being is that um, compared to 10, 15 years ago, where you could have been a researcher when you left the business or freelanced or maybe done your own thing, now you can go to uh, the client side because so many people have, so it's much easier to do. Go to technology companies, you can go to a management consultancy, PR, media, brand consulting, um, on and on and on. There are just so many startups. Um, I know so many, so many possibilities. So the first thing is, if you don't have a job, there are lots and lots of possibilities. And what I would do if I were you is one, firstly, think about where is the money being spent. Now, so at the moment, I said um, healthcare companies, healthcare, anything, any business or brand related to healthcare, packaged goods, technology, online gaming. So firstly, follow the money. So firstly, check the trades, ad age, ad week, campaign as well, and see um, see which agencies are, are, you know, talking about things in a positive sense. Follow the, those agencies and follow those businesses that are clearly uh, being utilized. And, and that's going to be a place that's more likely to be hiring. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing I would say is... Um, just keep 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 the positive mindset, but apply that positive mindset to thinking. Well, 
who else is really having to be positive at the moment? You know, the people that have to be positive are the ones doing new business. Takes one to know one. I used to do it. So, but the, the, the key point here is if you know which agencies are pitching an account, so again, the, the trades, look at the trades, ad, advertising age, ad, ad week. If you know which agencies are pitching an account, I can tell you from my experience, agencies, even in recessionary times, tend to spend money on new business because you know what? They want the new business because that creates the revenue and the jobs and everything else. That's a great time, actually, to be pursuing an agency, potentially, if you've got expertise. They're pitching a car account and you've got car automotive experience, for instance. That's a, that's probably not a bad time to be possibly reaching out to them because if nothing else, you can say, look, I'll help you with the pitch. So that's the thing. It's about trying to, I'd say, stay positive, follow the money and use your, you know, try and apply your expertise and, and, and direct your expertise to people and organizations that might actually need to use it. And the final thing, if you can't do those things or aren't having any, any success with those things, is engage. Engage online and also with the people you know, continue to network, but seem to be active, be seen to have a viewpoint, because if nothing else, then you'll get noticed. And a part of, you know, it's a bit like, um, awareness with consumers you know same same in with jobs people know that you're there you've got something to say that you know you're passionate you know it gets you a step closer to, to being considered for a role an opportunity when one comes up so is, okay. is, there, is a resume enough anymore Stuart or do we have to go beyond that yeah you do so they should and so there are multiple tools you can have a website you can actually do a portfolio so I think you should have it's good to have a portfolio, examples of your work or sort of your views on work and or working could be good. Um, it's good to blog. It's good to write. And, yeah, I think, yes, Fergus, you, you need to, um, depending on how quickly you're making something happen, you need to think about a multi-channel approach. What's the reality in terms of the fact that we're working remotely? Does that begin to open the door for a strategist who's working uh, or maybe living in, in Denver, uh, going to work for an agency who is in New York. Is that a reality now for the future, or is that just sort of a momentary blip here in terms of how things are working? It's more of a reality. Um, I've certainly been working on job opportunities whereby I've had, um, you know, been asked, and, you know, the more specific the expertise you're being asked to to get, the more flexible the the company the agency is going to be so i had someone in sydney australia talking about a freelance opportunity in new york i had someone in uh, new york talking about an opportunity in london that i was working on in a freelance so um the truth is the longer something like this goes on the longer our behaviors change the longer they they are changed for the more likely we are to you know see a permanent change so if I'm a, if I'm a candidate, or if I'm a person who's looking to join an agency, and I've I've noticed that they're doing maybe new business, or they're they've got they've got accounts in a category where I might have expertise. Um, how do you suggest approaching them? I mean, for example, is it best to go through the more traditional channel, which may be HR, maybe uploading your resume, or is it or is it better, or is it the, or do you do both? Do you go directly to the head of planning? Uh, and try and make a direct and personal connection with her or with him? Whether you reach out to an agency directly, um, HR or someone in the tar- department, or you do it through an intermediary, such as a headhunter, 
um, really depends on your what's going to bring about your greatest chance of getting their attention as you're being considered. So the answer to that really is, well, who's got the best connection? So if I've got, if I know the head of HR, if I know the head of talent, then clearly I'm probably a better shot for you in terms of getting you a hearing because that's what you want. You know, I'm not going to ultimately you have to sell yourself. But so, but if you've got, I, I, I say to candidates or individuals I know, I say, look, no, I, I get it. I mean, if you, you, if you know the key people, why wouldn't you actually reach out to them yourselves? You know, obviously we've talked about people that are out of work, but there's also an awful lot of people that are working and maybe they sense that they are going to be part of an impending round of layoffs. When is the right time uh, to start planning for what's next? I mean, when, and if you're in that situation, what are the things that, that we should be doing, even though we're still working, but we kind of sense that the dark cloud is coming over us pretty soon. Um, unless you know your job is definitely going. I'd be saying look inwards in terms of, okay, that would be the time to really make sure that you are uh, close to the money. That would be the time to making sure you really are bringing the big ideas to try and keep the clients. You, also to, to proving your value to the people potentially that could make the cuts. So counterintuitive, you know, one could look outward. So unless you know you're definitely going, I'd, I'd be saying keep on trying to add value where you are to showing why you're important, you know, and, and and why you definitely should be there. And I know a number of people that survived three, four rounds because I know they're very dynamic, very proactive, you know, very positive sort of people. And so it works. Usually it does work. You know, companies don't want to cut the people that are generating the revenue or holding on to the revenue. So if you've got a great client relationship, usually they're not going to let you go. And But you don't have to have that great, great client relationship. You could just be someone they see as the one that's likely to get the extra revenue that keeps the ship steady. What about the what about the uh, the opinion that the people with the highest salaries tend to go first? Does that does that hold water? That theory? Another depends, really. I mean, look. I mean, I think it's easier to cut someone making you know three four hundred grand than it is you know several people making you know seventh of that. Um, it depends on a number of things. It depends. It depends how long they've been there, what they're doing, critically to what I was just saying, what business they're holding down. If someone's actually big ticket, but they're holding down major pieces of business, they're not going to let them go. So I think all I can say is pragmatically, you're probably going to let go as many of those as you can that aren't actually holding on to revenue or, or likely to make it. It's going to be a combination. I don't think you automatically look in some organizations, you know, you, you read about this, you know, none of the bigger, bigger ticket items are going, but it's, it's all for all of us, whether you're making whatever you're making, it's about, you know, value creation. And it's, it, in fact, when you're hired, it's just about one of two things. Do you, are you going to make them more money or are you going to help lock money down? That's it. So how, um, when you talk to strategists that have been 10, 15 years in the business, are they are they equipped to meet the uh, the needs of what a an agency is looking for in terms of if they want to make a switch? In terms of those individuals moving, I mean, very often, you know, the smart ones and the ones that will have a career are really are ones that can adapt. You know, I, I, um, I, uh, you know, we all talk about IQ and, and EQ. 
but I truly believe that um, as, as, as important as EQ is, um, I think actually those that really will have truly successful careers away from strategy, but very definitely in strategy, are those that have the highest AQ, and that's you know adaptability quotient, their, their ability to adapt. And so what does that mean? That means the ones that are prepared to retool, they can see what's needed. So at the moment, you know, a lot of the jobs are on offer are pointing more towards data analytics, data modeling. You don't need to be a specialist, but you need to be, um, as a strategist, comfortable with the numbers, you know, comfortable with quant, and, and you'll, be, you'll be fine if you are. So when um, speaking of sort of skill sets, do you find that the skills and the, the abilities of strategists, um, particularly their skill sets, are they pretty portable to a whole new sense, a sense of, uh, of where they can, they can place them? I mean, it's agencies have been the, the, uh, the historical perspective of it. Now we're seeing, we seem to be seeing an awful lot of in-house agencies but I'm wondering if you're somebody who's left an agency, um, and I, I think it's important to realize that going back to another agency isn't your only choice. No, Can you talk no, a little bit about what you're seeing out there where people are going when they come out of agencies and they choose to go in different directions? Yeah, I, I, because I'm talking to these people that have gone to Facebook, they've gone to Apple huge trend over the last 10, 15 years is going from an advertising agency to a media agency. Uh, but a lot of firms, uh, planners, gone to brand consultancies, um, have gone to PR agencies. Um, there are so many possibilities. I think the biggest one is you know, going client-side. And a number of strategists have gone client-side. And, and 15 years ago, um, it was much harder. Um, it, it, was, it was not a normal thing for an account planner going from an agency to the client side, but now so many over the last these 10, 15 years have gone to the client side that far from being unusual, you know, they're welcomed because they've got a lot of people like them as you're already on the client side. So there are a huge, huge um, sort of uh, realm of sort of possibilities, you know, for, for strategies. Let's circle back to the question of, of, um, of, a, of sort of a portfolio site because I see this posted a lot on various planning, planning communities where planners are asking, do I need a site? What should my portfolio site be like? Uh, I'm, I'm of the opinion that you absolutely must have a site and, and that a site in, for all intents and purposes is your resume. It is your time to shine. Um, I almost think it's mandatory. Do you, would you agree with that? Well, not necessarily mandatory, but, but what I would... I come at it from a different space. I mean, I ultimately, um, it's about enhancing your chances, how you do it, enhancing your chances of being considered and ultimately getting the opportunity that you want, okay? So that, that's what's key. So then I would say, does having a portfolio, well, certainly if you're creative, creatives have portfolios. If you're a strategist, does having a portfolio, um, enhance your chances and i'd say well if it's something to start with if it's something that most of your peers don't have it definitely does but then it comes down to the devil is in the detail and uh, if you're going to do it do it right and and yeah. um, and but but absolutely having something that actually illustrates um the way you think um and and critically particularly today your effectiveness um is only going to help you you know, so I think if you're gonna if you if you're gonna do it, 
um, then do it right. And 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 yeah, I think it it it's another tool. It's another tool. Back to that yeah. that that uh, quiver of arrows that of potentially that you can shoot. I mean, it's you don't necessarily have to use it, but if you're going to do it, maintain it and make sure it's you know, it's pithy and it's it's illustrative of how good you are. Because if you do a botched job, then you know, unfortunately, it's far from helping you. It's going to sort of it's going to cut your legs from underneath you. And one other thing is, is uh, I think a lot of people think through with uh, and are very nervous about is uh, how much to ask for and the, the whole question of salary. And this is where I think I think having having a headhunter is a I, I may be wrong in thinking this, but I think this is a, a great role and great reason to use a headhunter is because they're more familiar what the ask is, what the, the price of the salary ranges are. But do you have any advice? Uh, for people in terms of if they've lost the job and they're, they're they're going they're shooting for another one where and you're asked that inevitable question what are you looking for which is such a dreadful question to be asked yeah, what's yeah. what's the answer to that firstly there's a formula and it's a formula i use in terms of for, for strategists and it's for the first everyone starts on in the u.s everyone starts on around 40k okay you've got no years experience you know the secretaries are coming in you know it's in an agency everyone's making 40k you know well 30 40k for each of the first 10 years as, a, as an account planner typically what i've experienced anyway is people make increments of 15k that's how it's been so after 10 years they're making in new york use new york as base san francisco's got a similar cost level now but typically if you've got 10 years in new york you're a director level, uh, could be VP, um, and you're making, you know, 180, 180 to 200K with a bigger agency. So just think about that, 15 a year, 40 base plus 15 a year. That's about right. You know, for some reason, it seems to work out like that. And then it just depends on, then it works, it depends on the, how applicable your specific experience is to the situation, um, what else you can offer potentially to, as I said, holding on to or making money, um, how well you got on with the people, how much of a fit they see as you being, you know, with the team, how much the client liked you if you met the client. So it gets more specific, but that's your base. In terms of the numbers you ask for, look, I mean, I say you can always come down, but you can't go up. So start slightly higher, and um, and you can you can you can always negotiate. But I mean, what I would say is in terms of, it's it's you've got to be smart. I mean, if you really want the opportunity, if there's a real opportunity to grow, if there's a real opportunity to get a number of things you want, and potentially there could be someone that's great there that could develop you, then be more flexible. You know, if, if they're at the stage where they want to hire you, you you want to play, you know, so firstly understand what it is. Yeah, they're trying to sort of basically minimize how much they have to pay for you. Now they've established they like you, but they are potentially your future employer. So, you know, even when I'm, talking with individuals about you know how to go into bat i said just remember though i mean if you re- if you you can be slightly more um ballsy if if um if you are more relaxed about losing this but if you really really want this then i say obviously you want to get a fair price and you want to be paid a fair number for what you do but don't push it too much unless you know you're prepared to walk away just to continue in this this theme of compensation, so if you have gotten to a place in salary, that's just sort of one form of compensation, right? Are, are there, I mean, title is another form of of an intangible comp, comp, uh, compensation. Um, 
are there different are there different factors that we can we can negotiate with if we're not if we're not getting yeah. the money that we want? What are the other factors that we can consider and bake in to compensation? Yeah. Absolutely. Look, I mean, I, I often think when there's an impasse in terms of um, what the agency wants to pay in terms of base, and that could be there for all sorts of reasons. Classically, well, you know, sort of Fergus. Sorry, we'd love to pay you more, but you know, this is this is going to upset the structure we've got here. You know, and so we're going to have to pay, you know, Jane and and Sarah and Mike. You know, you know more as well. You know, they're going to, you know, so we can't do that. So I often say to 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 make it. I, I so I'll say to the candidate. So what else has value to you? What else is valuable to you in terms of um, uh, this opportunity? And 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 that could be well, actually. The money is important. I said, okay, all right. So, so let's think about that. So maybe it could be a bonus, knowing that you're going to get a bonus each year. Whether it's flexible or is it guaranteed? Maybe it's share options. You know, for the more senior candidate. You know, so maybe there's value in that. Maybe it's, it's maybe it's knowing that you're definitely going to be. I mean, it's personal growth. Knowing that you'll be sent on, you know, two courses a year. So they're definitely going to. They make a commitment to invest in your training. I've heard many stories. Uh, I, I assume you have. I know that it's it's constantly a factor on the uh, planning platforms that I that I'm aware of. Platforms meaning communities and sites, etc. Um, is the issue of age um, that people who have been working for X amount of years uh, are feeling that they're getting pushed out, you know, around whatever age that might be, whether it's forty or fifty or whatever that would be. Um, Age as a factor when people are being recruited, what what kind of a factor is it? Do you feel, um, and how do, how do how does somebody who's forty five years, forty years, fifty years of age, how did they portray age? How should they, are there workarounds that you're that you're familiar with or can advise people on to sort of either downplay it or to play it to their advantage? However, how would you suggest? Yeah. Definitely ageism in the industry, no doubt about it. Young person's industry. I think, you know, when someone older, so so yes, there's, there's age discrimination, but how do you how do you circumvent that? And I think the thing is, well, you sharp young. Um, and so you sharp the way a young person would. You know, you remain curious, you remain energetic. Um, because actually if you're curious and you're energetic and all the other attributes that a young person is okay. You don't might not look like them, but if you're bringing the energy, and if you're someone that can communicate that you can actually help them lock down money or help them make money because of your thinking, for instance, you know the experience you've got. Um, then, if I'm if I'm hiring and I see that okay, so you're not you're not thirty, you know you're fifty, but if I'm hiring and I'm just feeling your energy, I'm just feeling that um, you know you are dynamic and proactive if i'm feeling that you're going to help make me some money i'm going to hire you i, I still am going to hire you um uh, i believe that some people say well you know but yeah but if there's someone that's 30 and that's bringing the same things they're always going to get hired i don't think so i don't i don't think that's the case and actually i think if you believe I agree. that i agree with you because i think if you believe that you've already defeated yourself you've got to believe that if you bring the energy if you're proactive, because actually I'm going to make a very controversial comment, and it's something I've always believed um, in the agency business. A lot of great people, a lot of great people, a lot of very creative people. But the reason why we're finally seeing a change in the agency world is 
not a lot of really business savvy sort of people, you know, sort of proactive people. Unless you're a superstar, it, it yeah. seems to me that the best way to move up is to move on. Um, that if you stay within an agency, you may not get that 15000 every year. You may not get a, a raise uh, of any real value. If you stay, you may just end up sort of stuck. And that the way to get up, or at least the fastest way to get up, whether it's deserved or not, is to leave an agency. Um, what's your perspective on that? It can be. I mean, I think very often people do. Um, and I think... You know, uh, makes sense if you're not getting. Look, it depends on your patience. So it's, so it's, so it's a combination of personal patience and um, perceived progression. I think very often the best way to get a bit more money, certainly when you're junior, is to move. Actually, um, so then the then the calculus for you becomes well, um, how much. Am I learning? I mean, how much exposure am I getting maybe in other ways in terms of maybe with senior management, with clients? How much opportunity am I being given? And relatively, how much would I be given in the in the, the new environment, even if I am making 10, 15 grand more? You know, so there's a lot to be said. You know, it, it's, it's uh, how do I describe this? It's, but anyway, it's, it's the, um, the equity you build up in an organization. So if you've been with it a few years, it takes a while. Even if you are gregarious and, and, and doing things, it takes a while to build up equity in a place, the goodwill of you know, its managers and people in other departments as well as your own. So that's worth something. So you know, it just depends ultimately how, much, how important the money is. And I know when you're younger, that extra 5, 10, 15 grand can make a big difference. So I, mean, I get it, but you've just also got to weigh that up against your progression, you know, being strategic about your career in terms of, well, can I learn faster here? Will I have more exposure here? So, Stuart, how can how can folks get in contact with you? Best way to reach me is um, either via email, which is uh, just uh, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T, at sparkinsearch.com, S-P-A-R-K-I-N, search.com. Um, or just go to the website, sparkinsearch.com, and um, uh, have a look around there. Or, of, of course, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is, I guess, key key uh, sort of a business area where it's easy to reach me, read about what I'm writing about, this director of the planning community, and designed to keep them informed about the marketplace. Stuart, thanks for your time today. We appreciate it. It's uh, awesome talking to you. August, a pleasure. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. Sure, and we'll see everybody on the next episode.